You're listening to From Passion to Profit, a show about female entrepreneurs who have built their businesses from the ground up and turned their passion into profit. These episodes share their most inner working thoughts, their journey, triumphs, and challenges. Whether you're just starting out or looking to take your business to the next level, these women have valuable advice and insights to share. If you want to turn your passion into profit, this podcast is for you. In today's episode, we dive into the incredible journey of Nicole Cruz, a TEDx speaker, a life and leadership coach, and a champion for the empowerment of first and second generation immigrants of color. Nicole's mission is to create liberated lineages by facilitating radical shifts in mindset and embodiment, helping first, second generation individuals harness their untapped potential and transform their lives. I'm ecstatic to have had the opportunity to interview and share Nicole's story, as I truly resonated with her experience and was admired with her resilient spirit and desire to go against the grain of the Asian American expectations. In today's conversation, Nicole and I delve into the depths of her entrepreneurial journey. We explore the pivotal moments that led her to quit her corporate job, the challenges she faced along the way, and how she overcame imposter syndrome to step into her role as a leader and mentor, which ultimately led to her first multiple six-figure year. But it all started when she made the bold decision to quit her six-figure corporate job, stepping away from a comfortable and stable yet unfulfilling career to embark on a journey of self-discovery and exploration. You know, life and leadership coaching was never something that I had considered throughout my life until I actually, until maybe a few months before I actually dove in. I was working at a health insurance company for 11 years, definitely not my dream job. And it got to a point in my early 30s where I realized like this can't be it. Like this cannot be what I pour all my energy into and wake up every day, you know, excited to go to work for. I was not excited to go to work for a health insurance company. Um, And so I actually quit my six-figure corporate job when in 2016 and decided to just take some time, travel the world, not go into another job right away, which is what, you know, goes totally against my like immigrant daughter programming. Um, And I really just allowed myself to think on what, what do I love doing and what do I do for free naturally just because I enjoy it. And I realized that everything kind of fell under the umbrella of life coaching. Um, I loved helping my friends reach their goals. I would coach my colleagues. I would coach my family members Uh, I would run accountability groups for free just because I loved it. And I realized, oh, instead of this being just something that I do on the side, this could be the thing that I dedicate myself to. And I really just dove in. I didn't go get a certificate. I didn't go do all the classes. I honestly just offered this to my friends and family and tried it out. And I wanted to see if I even enjoyed it. And honestly, within the first few sessions I provided, it felt like I was home. Like it felt like Mm. this is the thing that I was 
meant to do that I had been looking for. Yeah. And so I honestly told myself, what would happen if I committed a hundred percent to this instead of half-assing it instead of like, Oh, let me just try this out. If I really committed a hundred percent and it's really been incredible seeing what can happen when I just believe in myself. And when I provide a service to um, a very specific community that I understand very deeply. This is so important for me to call out. Nicole, a former corporate superstar and first-generation Asian-American, she decided to break free from the monotony of her health insurance job and embark on a journey of self-discovery. She took a leap of faith, quit her six-figure role, and set off to explore the world and explore herself. Have you ever felt that urge, that feeling in your gut where you know that you just may be settling? During Nicole's travels, something magical happened. But before we go into what eventually happened, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Clearly, this wasn't the typical journey for someone like her. So I'm sure you're wondering the same thing I am. How did she even see that this was a possibility? How did she know that venturing into the unknown and escaping the corporate grind could be her reality? Well, her answer is quite an interesting one and probably not too far from what you think. Honestly, it got to a point where for years I had felt like I'm holding myself back. Like I'm playing small. On the outside, it looks great. On the outside, you know, I got the house, I got the job, all the good markers of a successful um, immigrant daughter. And, but inside it felt like I am just, I am just expressing half of my gifts. I am just going through the motions. And I, knowing myself, if I just got another job, I knew I would just get really comfortable there and just stay there for a few more years until this, um, this pull to do something else came up again. And so I kind of forced myself to not even make that an option and decide I'm going to do something completely different. I'm going to completely change the trajectory that I'm on. Um, thankfully, I had a, I have a partner that was also down to travel and to do life differently. And instead of waiting for like the perfect time to do this, we just decided to make it the perfect time to do it. Yeah. Wow. So was that conversation like, hey, babe, I want to just quit my job, travel the world. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, you know, just like that. And then we booked yeah. our flights. Um, no, no, it was definitely, we, we were planning this for probably like a year, kind of toying around with it. Um, we had always wanted to study abroad we during our college years, but we never did it. We never took a gap year. We just went straight into work. And so we were having conversations around, we don't want to wait till we're retired to have these kinds of experiences. And what would it look like if we just did it now, if we just did it in the next year or two? Uh, and so we did prepare, we like saved, we were looking into it. How can we do this on a budget? It was really us just making the decision that this is going to happen, that mm -hmm. jump started all of the actions that we took after that. Mm -hmm. 
That's amazing. What were the, some of the lessons that you learned while you were traveling that may have impacted the way that you see life now and the way that you do your business? Such a good question. So much. I love travel as a, a means of transformation. And I learned a ton because this was the first time, like the travel wasn't just a two-week vacation somewhere. We traveled for 10 months um, around the world. We went to over 20 countries. And one of the biggest lessons I learned probably day three of our travels is the trade-off that I was making for living a comfortable life, for living a life that I thought was safe and secure of like cubicles and business travel and you know the security of a job because I was experiencing seeing the Northern Lights for the first time. I was experiencing just on a Tuesday going to drive and see a waterfall. Like I was just experiencing what life was like outside of my comfort zone. And so I made a promise, yeah, day three of our trip that I couldn't go back to the kind of life I was living, that I was going to live fully, whatever that meant, whatever that looked like. And so I bring that into my business of making sure I continue to do the things that feel good, that make me feel full, not turning it into just another job that I'm doing. And the travel also really challenged me to find security within myself because I had been taught and I had been conditioned to just put my safety and security in like a house, the job, um, and making money and all of these like external factors. But I had no job. I had no house. <laughs> like I had no car. And so I was just forced to really like stripped down to the bare bones of who am I? What do I want? What makes me happy? And I don't think I, I had asked myself those questions in a really long time or ever really before then. I was just doing what I thought I was supposed to. So when we got back, we had to come back because of my husband's job. They were like, okay, that's enough. You need to come back and actually come into the office. Um, so we came back to San Diego and uh, I was trying to still do things that were al along the lines of what I was doing before of sustainability. Um, I got my MBA in sustainable management. So I'm like, oh, maybe I could do sustainability coaching. And I tried that for a bit. And it just never clicked. And I think, again, I wasn't, I was forcing myself to do something because logically I have the background for it instead of, do I really want to do this? And so it wasn't until, yeah, maybe a year later where I'm like, okay, I've been unemployed for a while now. I want to start making some money. I remember going to Coronado Beach to journal by myself. And I just asked myself, what do I love doing? What brings me joy? What do people tell me I'm really good at naturally? And after that, looking at all that, I'm like, oh, I think that's a life coach. And then six months after that <laughs> is when I actually decided it's okay for me to be to try this. Mm -hmm. Because again, I was still like afraid of judgment. And what would my mom think? I just got my MBA and now I'm going to become a life coach. Like that's yeah. not... Asian impressive like that's not a thing that mm. 
that people try for. Um, So it was actually much later after we came back from our travels that I, I decided and I started taking action to, to pursue this career. I assume that um, kind of internal journey and like having to shift your identity was this challenging and almost like struggling back and forth with yourself of like mm-hmm. letting go of, you know, all of the money, energy, resources spent into your bachelor's and master's in your corporate experience and then making this shift. What was that like for you? If you remember any specific moments? I feel like you're in my head. <laughs> like I feel like. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know that that intimately. Um, yeah, it was a lot of identity shifts. I had never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur. I always thought I was going to be working for someone else, climbing the ladder. A lot of it was, well, one fear of judgment of what other people would think, because in my mind, I still kind of had this, um, I don't know, stigma around life coaching of like, is it actually a thing? Is it actually real? Is it actually um, reputable? Really struggling with can I make my own money? Can I actually create something for myself? Because I'd always identified as someone who just gets paid by other people, by an employer, that having to shift to, wow, people will actually pay me to do this thing that I love was really difficult for me to wrap my head around. Um, Definitely the inner critic, the fear was loud and telling me, who do you think you are? You're not certified. Who do you think you are? It's the providing these services. And the thing that got me through those fears that, um, the, those self doubts was really, I really told myself, what if I just believed in myself at the level that other people believe in me? Because other people had always believed in me, um, a lot. And I was always the one doubting myself. So I just held on to that thought of what if I just borrowed that belief and acted from that place instead of constantly doubting myself. And that would give me just enough space to take the action of getting my first client, offering my services, introducing myself as a life coach. And It was a constant journey of building more evidence that I could do this, that this could be my new identity. Definitely easier said than done. And I'm assuming while you're doing it, you're like, (laughs) there's so much internal battles. Oh, days of crying, days of crying, of getting on phone calls, people saying no, questioning my decision, crying to my husband. Um, And he would say, keep going, keep going. Like, this is normal. This is part of it. There were stretches of time where I really doubted myself. Um, But really just holding on to the belief of, let me just see. Let me just see what would be possible if I gave this a year, if I gave this however, however long. My first paying client, my first clients were like my cousin, my like best friend from high school. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But my first paying client was really random. I went to my husband's Christmas party, his, his holiday, his company's uh, Christmas party. And it was the first time I 
was really introducing myself as a life coach to strangers. And I remember talking to one of his colleagues. I said, yes, I'm a life coach. I support people to um, achieve their goals and work through their fears. And I remember her saying like, oh, I would pay for that. And, and just from that conversation, we hopped on the phone and she decided to uh, sign on with me. Um, I think I was charging her like $200 a month for like oh, wow. weekly coaching. <laughs> right. Which I'm sure at that time you were like, whoa, yes. I'm going to pay $200 a month just to like do what I love and support people. Exactly. Um, so that just gave me enough evidence to be like, oh, okay, it's possible. Wow. The start of Nicole's entrepreneurship story is inspiring. It's a reminder that even when we're faced with doubt and discouragement, we have the power to push through and achieve our goals. One thing that really resonated with me was Nicole's idea of borrowing belief until we can truly believe in ourselves. It's a refreshing perspective because sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to instantly have unwavering confidence and faith in our abilities. But the truth is, it's okay to take small steps and gradually build up that self-belief. And through the small steps, she didn't let the tough days and tears stop her from moving forward. And guess what? Eventually, all her hard work paid off when she signed her first client. It's a testament to the power of staying committed and never giving up, even when the road gets bumpy. But let's fast forward to a specific moment in Nicole's first year of business that essentially changed the way she viewed herself and her identity as a coach, but more importantly, led to the launch of her signature program that would impact hundreds. This was the first year of my business. Uh, they were host, the Cosmos um, was hosting a f their first free summit. It was directed to support Asian women um, and non-binary folks. And I was actually traveling through Europe at the time and the summit was in New York. And so I knew, oh, I'm going to have to fly from Europe to New York to do this. But I just believe so much in getting my work and my offer out there as much as possible. And so I applied to host a workshop. They, um, they accepted my application. And it was the first time that I had done a workshop in person for strangers. I'd just always done it for my family and friends before. It was the first time I really owned. I am a coach that supports first and second generation immigrants in a big way. That really, it was the first time I really took a stand for that publicly. And the, I showed myself, wow, I just can create something in my brain and put it out in the world and it helps people. And I met amazing people. I met a lot of um, clients from that experience. I was able to, you know, start a group program from that experience. And it just gave me the confidence to know, one, I can do this, and two, this is needed. Like, this is so needed. The first round I called my co-creators round and really, uh, really framed it as we are creating this together. 
I was really real with them. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know how to run a group program. I've never done this before. Uh, and I actually started it because of a conversation I had with someone from the Cosmos, someone from the Cosmos um, Summit, who was really interested in my work, really wanted to work with me, but she couldn't afford a one-on-one um, private coaching package. And so, and but I felt really connected to her. I was like, I really want to support her. And I'm sure there are other people who are in the same boat. I really want to do this work, but it's either cost prohibitive or I don't want to do it alone. And so my first my first cohort, there was five people. I think I charged like 300 bucks for eight weeks. Um, and it it was really just for me to get a feel of, do I even like group coaching? Is this even a thing that I want to do? And it was amazing. It was amazing just seeing... It was the first time I saw community care of, oh, I see my story in, in that woman's story. Like what she just said is my experience and just saw how supportive that was for, especially for our community that feels so isolated sometimes, how amazing it was to get that support and validation from other women who are experiencing very similar things. It's really hard to be the first because our generation, we're the first to do a lot of different things, to do a lot of, to get therapy, to get coaching, to start businesses, to not follow the prescribed, you know, immigrant child formula. It is really difficult. And so I'm wanting to let people know, like, if that's you and you're feeling that you're not alone you are in a community of firsts and there is a reason that we are in this position. It's because we're meant to, there's a reason like we're challenging things. It's because we're meant to. I fully believe that anyone in our community can create what they want for themselves. And so I hope this just adds more evidence that whatever they want to create is totally doable, possible, inevitable for them. Hey there, podcast fans. If you're loving our show, we want to hear from you. Leaving a review is the best way to share your thoughts and help us make our content even better. And if you really want to share your support, share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag us at Chea Media. By sharing our show with your friends and audience, you're helping us reach more people and build our community. Let's spread the word and create something amazing together. Thanks for listening and don't forget, you can turn your passion into profit. Now back to the episode. I was actually traveling through Asia the beginning part of 2020. Um, I was recording my modules in Bali, Cambodia for the program. Like I was, I was traveling through Asia and when around in like February, March 2020, right? When everything really came to a head I was actually in Vietnam and we were quarantined in our hotel for two weeks it was crazy experience um, my husband and I made the mistake of watching contagion like this 
movie. And then honestly, that night in the hallways of our hotel, we saw people in full on hazmat spraying the hallways. We didn't get any, the hotel didn't tell us it was happening. This was like in the middle of the night. And then the next morning we went downstairs, people in hazmats uh, ready to swab us for COVID because someone in our hotel tested positive. And so we were quarantined after that for two weeks. Really scary because again, it was when we didn't know a lot about COVID, it was just happening. Uh, but I was still taking coaching calls. I was still hosting Living Bravely group calls. Um, I was still showing up. And and then so, yeah, it was definitely a shift. We came back to the States. Um, and I just continued to be like heads down in my business, supporting my Living Bravely groups. And then, of course, that was also the year that George Floyd got murdered. And the all the racial trauma and um, the awareness of systemic racial injustice all came up at the same time that we were all moving through being like totally scared physically for our health. And that was a really intense year. And I coached my ass off that year. I was showing up all my cohorts, my one-on-one clients, I was hosting monthly community calls just so our um, Asian community had a safe space to talk about the racial trauma that they um, were experiencing. I was pouring a lot into the community. And I really think it was divine timing that I started my group program before this happened so that people had a place to go to to get support through it. And so my business really skyrocketed. That was the first year that I hit multiple six-figure revenue uh, was during that year. And then I totally burnt out. <laughs> I totally burnt out after that year. But it was, it was a really, I think, intense and important year for my business as well. Nicole's journey through 2020 was truly remarkable. Can you imagine traveling through Asia when the world was hit by the pandemic and having to quarantine in a hotel in Vietnam without any knowledge or awareness of what would happen next. Despite the year of immense shifts and in intensity, Nicole remained focused on supporting her Living Bravely groups and coaching her clients, all while navigating the racial trauma and systemic racial injustice that came to the forefront. She poured her energy into coaching, creating a safe space for our Asian community to discuss and process the racial trauma they were experiencing. Though through it all, Nicole's business soared, hitting multiple six-figure revenue for the first time. But as she candidly shared, she eventually experienced burnout. This intense and transformative year served as a crucial turning point for her business. But let's delve deeper into her story as she discusses the growth of her team, the importance of mentorship, and creating a supportive community that extends beyond her personal involvement to her business. It was definitely a journey. I think the first thing I had to do was identify as a leader. 2021, the I was really focused on identifying as a leader because when people would tell me I'm a leader, I would feel so much resistance to it. I'd be like, no, I'm not. No, 
don't tell me that I'm not ready for it. Uh, I think I had in my head, like what a leader is supposed to be or act or behave. And I just didn't feel like I was there. Uh, so I actually had to just redefine my version of leadership. Like my leadership is messy. My leadership is honest and transparent and it's not perfect. Um, but my leadership is also strong in vision and conviction and values and really starting from there. And then I had to learn um, how to not people please <laughs> with my team and not be afraid of hurting feelings. And if something isn't done the way I want it to or on the, at the timeline I want it to be, that it's okay for me to state that and to ask for something different. But having their support has been incredible over the past year for me to actually be able to step away from calls when I need to. You know, my we had um, a couple deaths in the family um, earlier this year and it allowed me to like be with family for that. And I cultivated coaches from the community. So they've either gone through Living Bravely themselves or they've been a client of mine. They've experienced what living bravely is like. They've experienced community care. They're all trauma-informed. And so I was really mindful of making sure that the people I brought on had the same values, had um, a skill set to meet people where they are, and supporting them also personally and also how they're experiencing the program themselves. So this next round of Living Bravely... I am going to be supporting people to create a brave new career. And so the focus is really going to be supporting our community to get into careers, positions, roles that will allow them to fully express their gifts because so many of our community are in jobs that they're good at but they don't love or are in racist workplaces or they're just not able to fully express themselves. But I'm really excited to support people into those positions through the skill of decision-making, like really knowing how to make decisions for themselves instead of for other people. I want to know actually how you decided on the name, Living Bravely. Yeah, that came up really organically in a conversation I was having with my very first coach. Um, I was describing, this was probably year one in my business. I was describing the feeling I was having during my travels because it was the first time I didn't have to report into anyone, get anyone else's approval. Um, it was the first time I was just making decisions based on what I wanted and instead of what I think I should decide. And then it came up in a conversation where I was like, yeah, it's the first time I was living bravely. And when I said that, it just really hit. Like it really felt, I felt it deep. I think because up until then, I had always operated from fear, fear-based decisions. I listened to my fear a lot. I stayed small because of my fear. And this idea of being brave and living in a brave way just felt like 
the opposite of how I had been operating before. And it felt so freeing. And then I just shared it with a, a few friends and they're like, yes, <laughs> like, yes, this is what I want to do that too. Yeah. I love that. Well, you also call your audience mangoes, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where does that come from? Uh, one, I love mangoes. That is my favorite fruit. Green, yellow, sour, ripe, whatever. I, I will, like, I will eat any of it. Uh, and so it comes from this saying of, um, you know, uh, of trying to support people to embrace their fullness and their full identity. And sometimes we do a lot of shape shifting based on who we're with. With this group of people, I show this part of me. And with this group of people, I show this part of me. And instead, I offer to my clients to be their full mango selves. And it comes from a saying of, you know, you could be the most delicious, amazing, like incredible mango. But some people just don't like mangoes. And it's not the fault of the mango. It's just some people don't like them. If you're instead of trying to make yourself a pineapple or like a lesser mango to appease people, like there's always just going to be people who don't like mangoes. So why not be your full mango self? That's good. Yeah. I've never heard the reason about that. I was just like, oh, she must just like mangoes. I do. Well, yes. I love that. that. <laughs> Nicole is one of the most sincere, genuine person I've ever met, as you could probably tell from her mango story. As she goes into her fifth year in business, she shares her reflections on the future direction of her business and the exciting possibilities that lie ahead. Have you ever had a moment of introspection where you recognize a need to refocus, to recommit to the fundamental reason that you started your business? Nicole has, Here's how she's approaching this intentional moment of realigning herself to her true desires. I'm really thinking about how I want my business to my business model um, for it to support um, maybe some life changes. We're thinking about maybe starting a family soon, like like how that might look, and also really just going back to basics. I think some of this year, um, I got caught up in, you know, revenue goals and kind of coming from a place of business growth versus the re the real reason why I started this business is to serve my community in a really big way. And so I have been reminding myself, this is why, this is why, and coming from that place instead of well, I want to hit X, like X amount of dollars next year. Really trusting the money will be there. It's going to happen. And just focusing on serving and supporting in a really, um, in a way that feels really good and, and trusting in that, getting back to that. From quitting her corporate job to embark on a journey of self-discovery and service, to navigating the challenges of imposter syndrome and burnout, Nicole's story is a testament to the power of resilience and following one's true calling. Throughout our discussion, Nicole shared valuable insights on the importance of believing in oneself, embracing imperfection, 
and staying connected to the deeper purpose behind our work. Her commitment to serving her community and creating a safe space for growth and empowerment is truly admirable. And as Nicole reflects on the future direction of her business, I can't help but feel excited for what's to come. Her dedication to helping first and second gen immigrants live bravely and create liberated lineages is truly inspiring. I hope you found it as motivating and empowering as I did. Remember, no matter where you are in your own journey, you have the power to make a difference and live bravely. If you want to learn more about Nicole and her work, be sure to check out the show notes for links to our exclusive blog interview with links to her website and social media profiles. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. We could not have done it without the hard work and dedication of our amazing team. A special thanks to Brandon for scripting and quality checking, to Andrew for audio design and post-production support, to Addie for graphics and marketing, and of course, a huge thanks to our guest for sharing their passion and their story on today's episode. Be sure to check out the show notes for an exclusive blog interview, as well as links to support them and their business. And don't forget to leave a review and share this podcast on your social media. We appreciate your support and can't wait to bring you more great content in the future. I'm Chelsea, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening.